You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. Welcome back, fam. Thank you for logging into Thank You for Your Servers. I'm Thaddeus Preston, a.k.a. Nick Way, and joining me as always is Gary Guthrie. How are we doing, my man? I'm doing great this week. Had a had a you know. wonderful time brewing beer the other night at a brewery up here in Anaheim. And congratulations when you leave the rest of us plebs behind because you're this world famous brewer making multi million dollars and being a guest brewer all around the country, if not the world. Don't forget about us here at the MLGA Network. This podcast and other are brought to you by the Make Liberty Great Again Network of Podcasts. And with no further ado. Let's get to this episode of Thank You For Your Servers, where we get to say, we told you so, in a way. So, what are we talking about today? Well, the big tech mask fell off. So the mask the big tech has had on for the last eh, 10, 10, 15 years about being this cultural force. This technological force that is bringing the world together, that is making life easier for us, particularly the social media era. The social media era was supposed to connect us all, was supposed to make us all uh, homo- homogeneous for, based on our heterogeneous views. We're supposed to not care about color or race or sexual preference or any of these other things. And big tech was going to bring us together, particularly the social media platform. And the thing that people tend to think, in my opinion, wrongly, that was going to keep the platforms independent and able to espouse, allow us to espouse free speech, was Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, or the Telecommuni- oh, I'm sorry, the Communications Act of 1996. So that all kind of fell apart. I say about 2009, people want to say that it's just been since the Trump era, but that's that's actually a little false. So what am I talking about, right? What am I talking about in a roundabout way? Well, if you've been living under a rock for the last week, as of this recording, you would have probably heard the brouhaha that happened when the New York Post uh, broke out, you know, I guess, broke out a controversial bombshell smoking gun article about the contents of a mysterious MacBook that showed up at a repair shop with water damage. And on that MacBook's hard drive would appear to be hacked materials, I don't believe it is, of one Hunter Biden, the youngest screw-up son of the current presidential candidate, Joe Biden, um, some compromising emails and pictures. This somehow ended up in the hands of the FBI, but also ended up in the hands of 
Biden's political rivals via a attorney who is the attorney of Rudy Giuliani, who is the attorney of the president. And then by six degrees of separation, it got to Steve Bannon, then to the New York Post. And so the New York Post wrote up these articles. In this article, they have PDFs of emails exchanges between Hunter Biden and associates of Burisma. Without having to go into a lot of detail about the Burisma scandal, let's just say it has something to do with Ukraine. If we, if we can remember back to earlier this year, the president of the United States was impeached and almost removed from office because of Ukraine, particularly a beautiful phone call, a perfect phone call with the prime <laughs> minister or the president um, that some people described as a shakedown by our administration to um, get information and dirt on Joe and Hunter Biden in exchange for weapons. Let's just uh, put aside the fact that that's gross um, for a lot of reasons. It's pretty much diplomacy, but that was reason enough to try to get the guy impeached. All right, whatever. But that's a long way of saying this Ukraine thing has been kind of part of our politics for a while. Mm -hmm. And the fact that these emails showed up, it basically shows that while the current presidential candidate on the Democrat side said that he never discussed with his son any of his business pertaining to his Ukrainian interests in Burisma, while the vice president was the point man on Ukrainian affairs during the Obama administration, these emails and other subsequent documents that were pulled from this hard drive prove otherwise. But that's actually not the story for thank you for your servers. Political intrigue. Y'all know right. where I stand on that. Um, what was crazy was, so the New York Post goes live with this. Goes plastered across social media, particularly Twitter and Facebook. Instantly. Eh, let's say rel relatively quickly. Anyone on Twitter was not able to share the link to the New York Post article. Up to and including the Twitter account of the Trump campaign. The press secretary of the United States. And the House. I don't know if it's the Judiciary Committee or the Intelligence Committee. It was some committee that had basically said in light of the fact that of this story they were going to investigate. And they actually posted a link to the story. Well, for a while, that link was being suppressed. You could not share it. And if you did share it or spread it, if you had any Twitter following of significance, you were throttled or you were locked out of your account. Now, they did, that they, with the, they did that with the press secretary's account, right? They, they basically they locked her me. out. They didn't do it to, yeah, they didn't do it to me. I was able to share it all day. Right. It didn't stop me. Because here's the deal. I'm a nobody. I, I, I don't have a whole lot of reach. Um, but yeah, the press secretary's account was locked out Yep. until she removed the link. Yep. Um, and then, on the, which is very Orwellian and somewhat coincidental, the head of Facebook's, I don't know the guy's name. His name's Andy Stone, I guess. But he tweeted that Facebook was going to throttle the reach of that New York Times story on Facebook until it was fact-checked 
for all intents and purposes. So, and, and, and it's not that they're, it's not that there's anything wrong with that, except the guy who posted it, this, this, as who is a front man for Facebook who posts this and said, yeah, we're going to throttle the reach of this story until we fact check it. Apparently this guy is a, just a Democrat operative that works now works for Facebook. It does. Yeah. It's almost a so, given these days with, yeah, you know, any well, of the here's the deal. I, I'm, I, I'm going to get into that later. Um, because people tend to think that like this kind of, <clears throat> let's just say left of center infiltration of Silicon Valley and this wokeness and this social justice-ness, they, said, they, they think it's a recent phenomenon. No, the seeds of allowing these people who are blatant partisans in to the Silicon Valley ecosystem and into social media in particular, this started in 2008. You, you have the Obama administration to blame for the sycophantic nature of the people who worked for these companies jumping on top of and into the Obama campaign and using their expertise to not only get Obama elected in 2008, because if you remember back in 2008, like social media is relatively new, but like Obama was all over the place in what was yeah, social media. It was, a, it was a huge, it was a huge part but, of his play. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and, and it only com- got compounded in 2012. So long before Cambridge Analytica or quote-unquote Russian interference buying Facebook ads, the Obama administration had been doing this. And they have been doing this because they co-opted the minds and the, and, and the hearts of a lot of people who had built these companies in the beginning. There is this very famous picture that I do not have with me at the moment that shows the first fundraiser that was given for then President Obama in Silicon Valley at that table was Steve Jobs, Larry Ellison, Sheryl Sandberg, Dick Costello, who was at the time a CEO of Twitter, all toasting. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of this very sympathetic and, and, and basically sympathetic behavior that entailed like working with government. You remember something called data.gov? No. Data.gov. No. So data.gov was in a was was originally something that the Obama administration pushed in. Remember also the Obama administration was the first administration to actually create the office of uh, United States CTO or CIO. Hmm. And they brought a guy in and their big thing is they co-opted all of Silicon Valley. We need to make government and the data it provi- data and services it provides a platform. And I was all on board with that. I'm like, sweet, surface this data. Maybe we can then surface all this governmental data and we can actually start making government better. And, and it was basically like the Peace Corps for data nerds going into the Obama administration. To think now and to now wonder why, like Tim Carney is like he works, I think he works for communications for Facebook or someone. I mean, there's a who's who of Obama operatives who worked in the Obama administration and staffers from the DCCC and other Democrat or progressive organizations who worked with the Obama administration during this time frame. All these people now. Take, now take on very key roles in these technology companies from a PR perspective, 
particularly on the on the social media side. This is a long way of coming around to telling you that this is why this has been going on for the last six or seven years, actually. The sequestering, the suppression of certain types of speech and articles and stuff like that. So this is par for the course. So Facebook decides to throttle this first article from the New York Post. Then Twitter does the same. As the backlash brews, Twitter kind of relents. And Jack Dorsey, who is current CEO, basically comes out and says, all right, we handled that badly. Right? And so they allowed the posting of the article again, and they enabled certain accounts and stuff like that. For those of you who are not on Twitter and don't understand, they extort you. They basically cut you off from your account and says you must remove, you know, at the point of a digital gun, you must remove offending posts in order for us to reinstate your account. This, this is how they do it. And the fact that both of the social media networks sequestered this particular story is coincidental. I don't like using conspiratorial. Yeah, coincidental. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sure. And and so and so and so Twitter came back later and basically says the reason why we were throttling the article is because there's potential that this was hacked material and it had private email addresses on it and private photos and whatever. So we can't post this because this might be hacked material. Well now wait a minute though. I mean this, wait, 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 this wait, might yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. hacked material. Yes, first of all, we don't know if it's hacked material. So 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 they can they can wield this weapon anytime they want for anything and say, hey, hold on, this might be hacked material, and therefore we're gonna just hold it temporarily until such time as it's proven that it's not this is the opposite of free speech. Right. So let's let's question whether or not this was hacked material it wasn't i i think i think we've we've had people on the show joshua being one of joshua ferguson being one mm -hmm. who've been accused of hacking clicking on links that, that were sent to them that was considered hacking so yeah that's that's some bullshit um <laughs> but we also have then well how would we have gotten collateral murder released to the world those who don't, who do not remember collateral murder that was the document dumped by Chelsea Manning. Mm -hmm. If you, what about just recently, how did they reverse engineer, I use the New York Times, Trump's tax returns? They haven't been formally released. How do you get, how they get a hold of them? Some law had to be broken or to be bent to get that information. Yeah. And what about Julian Assange? See, Julian Assange was a hero when he was exposing the, the war criminal, criminality of the Bush administration. But the moment he started posting stuff about, you know, Hillary Clinton emails. He got to go hide in the Ecuadorian embassy. He had to go, yeah, yeah, he'd go hide in the, you know, he had to go hide in the Ecuadorian embassy and bang, you know, Pamela Anderson. I <laughs> mean, you know, so at, which is it, guys? Um, there's been many, many stories. Anyone can prove or can or can bring to the courts of either public opinion, the the actual legal courts or Twitter and says, wait a minute, I didn't want that information released. This was hacked material. That sets a very 
dangerous precedent. Kind of like the dangerous precedent that most of these social media networks but, have been not even, participating in. But they didn't even say it's hacked material. They said it's potentially hacked material, right? Yeah, and they still and they still sequestered it, right? But they, right. this was their clarification the next day, when it's very obvious that they had they had screwed up. That they they literally said, you know, it's funny. Facebook, I, I have this analogy. So Facebook and Twitter are standing at the Rubicon, and Facebook uh, turns around and says, "Hey, should we cross the Rubicon?" And before like, you know, Facebook can turn its head back. Twitter's already on the other side of Rubicon saying, hey, I'm over here. They just Catch crossed up. it. They, they, they literally just crossed it. They didn't. They, <laughs> and, it's, and I told them big tech is going to F up one day mm-hmm. and they're going to do the wrong thing. Um, <clears throat> the, we had discussed an episode, or at least I did, and it was a solo episode. Sorry, you weren't there. But I discussed about big tech effing up because they went after Zero Hedge, an easy soft target. and then. The Federalists, which is a much harder target. And like the, the, the difference between going after Zero Hedge is Zero Hedge is considered kind of French. I don't think so, but most people do. The Federalist is mainstream, basic bitch, like conservatism, Inc. in the Beltway. Who have people on their show like senators and Congress people and people from the Trump administration and the FCC and the FTC. You can't then wield this power against the Federalists because they're just some crazy right-wing publication that you don't like that posted something or had something, in this instance, problematic in their comments. You went after the wrong people who are now, for now, have people at the levers of not only political but legal power. And, and I told him, like, you can't do – this is why that – executive order came out from the trump administration this spring it's why now the fcc i love ajit pai but he's fallen into the trap where he's basically like all right well i guess i from from a political standpoint i now have to look at this section 230 per the power given to him in the executive order to at least look at remedies or areas where 230 can be changed and basically, now he has to acquiesce while the Trump administration's in power. And mm-hmm. the, here's the here's deal. If Trump, Trump can lose in a couple of weeks, Trump administration's still in power until January. And I, I think, and here's the deal. That was your right flank, Silicon Valley. Big tech, look at me. Um, I mean, you can look at me because <laughs> we're broadcasting. Um, your right flank. You've lost your right flank, ideologically, right? No longer yeah. are the Mike Lees or the Jim Jordans of, or the Ted Cruz's of the right are going to protect you from the excesses of the left. The left were already hating. So you chose a side, and the left told you that you're the reason why democracy is in peril, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're the reason why Trump got elected, Brexit happened. Name every ill in the world. And I'm actually getting a little sick and tired of people scapegoating social media as if, or, or social media and social media companies as if this, there's no choice in the matter. I don't like the fact that we don't give people agency. Like, you can look at the social dilemma and you can be like, yeah, okay, 
we are being gamed, but who chose to participate? I'm about sick and tired well, of that, but here's the deal. Now it's over. It's over. There's going to be Section 230 tomfoolery that's going to happen. Right. And you know, it's unnecessary. It, it, you know, it goes back, you know, at the beginning of the episode here, you talked about how, you know, social media was supposed to be essentially the big melting pot, right? And um, and it wasn't. It, it turned out to be the greatest devising or dividing tool that humanity has come to know, right? It puts us into camps. It basically forces everybody to choose a side, as you just said, right? You've, you've, you've picked your side. You've, you've destroyed your right flank. You have no, you have no, you have no backing on that side anymore. And you know, I, I have to wonder, I sit here and I go, okay, how much of this was nefarious and how much of it is human nature? Because you, if you go look back before, um, before social media, I mean, we can go look back to the 50s and 60s, you know, with the civil rights movement and everything that was supposed to kind of open everything up. And, you know, I remember it being described to me once as, okay, you know what, America is supposed to be the big melting pot. We're not really a big melting pot. We're kind of like more like a big salad, right? With all the pieces <laughs> that are kind of separate still and doing their own thing. And I think social media has actually taken that to the next level where it's, where it's kind of forced us into this binary weirdness that, you know, those of us in the liberty movement really kind of find ourselves out of place with because you know, on one topic, we may lean left on another topic. We may lean right, you know, and, and, and it, to, to us, it's just common sense, but to the world and to social media, it doesn't make sense at all. Right. And you either have to fit in with your camp or, you know, buy, you know, you're not, you're not part of this world anymore. I think it's this disaggregation of people like communicating we thought that these tools would facilitate like more exchange in meat space and when i say meat right. space that is m-e-e-t and m-e-a-t like human beings me you talking face to face right and we thought this was going to be this amazing tool what we have said in the past on past episodes is and You've always tried to talk me off the cliff, but I've always said, like, dude, this is just the way it is. It's just like humans have a nasty tendency to screw things up. We do. It's, it's all well and good until humans get involved. We do. And, you and know, like you is. say, people suck. Or actually, no, I don't know. You ever said people suck? No, you I, no, no, you, I, no, 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 no. I say people suck. You, I, you no, no, said no, no. people suck. I'm not backing suck. away from that. I still think people suck. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. say, that's why we were talking, when we have our episodes of talking about AI, and I'm always like the champion of just like, yeah, do it because people suck. And you're just like, well, wait a minute, though. There's pretty much one new. No, no, I'm no a people suck, more, man. You know. <laughs> yeah. But no, so like, you, you, yeah, when you, so like I said, man, they, I understood, I could go into this long historic dissertation. I'd have to look back at like old articles. Um, you could go to blogs.relativeprogress.com, and I talked about this, right? I talked about the promise of these platforms, not necessarily platforms in the way we're talking about them now. Because the way we're talking about platforms today, Twitter, Facebook, name your social media platform, 
the way we were, I was talked they were talked about in the past versus what, how they were talked about today are completely different. The way they were talked about in the past was a platform was something you built something on. Right. Facebook would have been more like a like a forum or a yeah 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 like yeah what we have done is we've basically taken the term platform which meant to you and me I can build something on this to yeah a, basically a forum well this and, this, this and because is... we've allowed human beings to turn that term into that because they have built a forum a they have built a forum out of a platform. Yeah, and people have reach, right? We're we're in this game right now on a you know trying to increase our reach. Well, and this is where you know you and I understand from a technical stand or from a very technical standpoint, terms matter, definitions matter. The problem is, you know, like you said, people get involved and people start using these words. Now their meaning starts kind of changing. It starts morphing. <clears throat> Same thing with the laws. You know, we can look back at. You know, right now we're looking at Section 230 and how it's morphed and changed and the definitions have changed and whatnot. You know, Americans with Disabilities Act has done exactly the same thing, right? Yeah. Right. Its meanings have changed. It's, it's you know, it, this they've thing extended. That, yeah, they've extended it out to include more things. This happens all the time with a law. Right. Or a statute. Right. And, I mean, and it happens and, all the time. It, and it happens to the point where, you know, at some point, and I don't know how, at what point that is or how you even identify it, but at what point does it become something completely different than what it was originally intended to do? You know? Yeah. It's become this, there's supposed to be, it's supposed to be these safe space forums where there's no bullying and there's only a certain amount of, civil discourse and that discourse has to fall almost lockstep ideologically one way mm -hmm. um in any <clears throat> other platform you try to build then the people who have the orthodox view of how these technologies can and should be used will then use those very same platforms along with the media to demonize you Hello, Gab. Mm -hmm. Hello, Parlor. Um, even I was even looking up the other day, like uh, Rumble and BitChute. So Rumble and BitChute are basically video hosting platforms. If you go to the Wikipedia page for BitChute, they claim it's a home of far right videos and conspiracy theories. That is not at all what mainly BitChute is, yeah. but they're trying to. Not just run you from the now public forum, public square, the platform. They are forcing an orthodoxy, and it's funny. They're half. They want everyone wants uh, some sort of retribution. Everyone just wants blood. Everything I have listened to, everything I have read, on both left and right media, and particularly in the tech press, they want blood. Well, that's your or that's your cancel culture and your. You know, yeah. destruction yeah. culture. You know, basically, yeah, they, yeah, they become nihilists. Like yeah. the same thing with the left, right? I mean, the tech <clears> press <throat> has become this way, where they become completely nihilist to the things that these these originally these social media platforms stood for. They're just nihilists. Right. They want to burn it down. Yeah, and that's the immediate reaction too. You know, you know, you and I always talk about the cultural implications of this stuff, and it goes far beyond just the technology, right? It goes into our mindsets as human beings. You know. 
it doesn't matter what happens, you know, you, you can get in and people do, and you see it in the news now and that, you know, people get in an argument at a fast food restaurant because the guy behind the counter refused to put an extra ketchup packet in. And all of a sudden we're, you know, that person must be destroyed and they must be fired and they must be, you know, yeah, there's a lot job. of that. It's a lot of that retribution, that very retaliatory response. Yeah. Um, speaking of retaliatory response and, and talking about what Facebook and Twitter did in blocking the New York Post's like, article and links to the article. Oh, they even disabled the New York Post's account for a time. Yeah, they did. So they actually could not post anything. Yeah. A day later, which was probably yesterday. Um, there was some sort of Twitter was down it was for down. a certain period of time. Oh yeah, it was down. Um, you don't, you're not on Twitter nearly as much as me, but people. So here's what here's what compounded it, right? Now everyone is thinking, since Twitter was suppressing the speech the day before, that this now this Twitter outage, we don't know who caused it. All these other, all these right wingers and left wingers and whatever, and people who were just these hard ideologues were suddenly like. Twitter's suppressing my ability. They, they, they're shutting me down. They're shutting me down. They get come, to, come to find yeah. out they were de- Yeah. Come to find out they were just having technical glitches. I think, yeah. personally, to put my conspiracy hat on, I think it was retaliatory. I think, I think. Could have been. Some, I mean. I, I, yeah. I think some script kitty group who's probably right of center um, basically hit certain nodes of Twitter with the DDoS. I it's possible. I mean, it's possible. I, but I, I, but it's possible in the sense that, like, all right, I, I, I'll, I'll take my conspiracy hat off and say, yeah, it's possible. Maybe they had a glitch. Maybe they just had such a rush of traffic for people so, um, so upset about the fact that, like, you know, this happened that everyone went to Twitter suddenly, <laughs> or it could have been a retaliatory exact. It could have been a a a a a, a state actor, or proxies of a state actor i i, I think it's just rem- miraculous it, it could uh, you the know, internet it, gods here, wait let me put on somehow. my tin i'll put on my tinfoil hat now okay okay my tinfoil hat's this gets, on this gets fun we, we're drinking and this gets fun so go ahead. yeah so so now you know twitter knows who attacked them and how they attacked them and you know where they attacked from and they were sent a message by this group you know and they clearly they received the message because they're kind of changing their tone a little bit. Yeah, that's okay. Tim Foyle oh. hat off. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but so, the, so you're saying that Twitter negotiated with terrorists? Potentially. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's yeah, exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yes, possibly. So no, I'm, I'm, it, it's kind of, it's just, I, I don't know. And Mike, I, I think putting, taking off my Tim Foyle hat and sitting down, like from a technical standpoint, I think it was just a technical difficulty. I think it was maybe a rush. I think maybe in trying to institute whatever they were trying to institute, this new policy and stuff, maybe they broke something. Um, we'll never know. It There's could, no transparency it could be anything, on how they really. run these. You know, yeah, and so, these things happen. I, yeah, and I think these things happen. I think it was just coincidence, personally. I think it was just, there might, it might have been the fact that they, they, they simply couldn't handle the traffic because you got to think, even people who aren't on Twitter, went to Twitter to figure out what all the hubbub was about. 
Um, and Facebook just kind of sat back and just like said, yeah, you know, they stuck by what they were doing. Ultimately, yeah. the New York Post was able to post the article and ultimately the Streisand effect happened. And everyone either posted the front page of the New York Post in PDF or picture form, or they went to other platforms, posted it, and it cross-platformed back into the two big, the big three, really. And I think ultimately the news got around. Yeah. You, you, you have to understand that this, like, I, someone, someone just posted it a second ago, right? Like, what they did has the equivalent to the internet of, like, 9-11. Like they, they they did something really really brazen, and there are going to be legislative, technical, and societal implications because of, of course. I don't think they understand. And, they, and that. this is and this is how no I think I think a lot of the people in charge do understand it because they know that when you do something like this. I, I don't know if they know exactly what the impact is or, or what it, you know, what it could be downstream, but they know that there will be an impact. Right. So I, I have to believe that these types of actions are taken with the intent of creating a lasting impact downstream. 100%. They, they have to be, you know, you don't be a Twitter or a Facebook or or anything else and take these actions altruistically. Oh, we must protect people against false meat bullcrap. That has nothing to do with it. It has to do with making an impact, making a change. Maybe this is me putting my tinfoil hat back on, but I honestly believe that. I believe that they understand the impact they have. I mean, you don't get billions of users and ignore the fact that your actions are going to have a lasting impact culture like you said culturally technically everythingly yeah. Um, yeah no downstream bigly but no i mean bigly. you're right <laughs> you're right so look at the assault that they're under and look at the megalomania that they feel based on that assault they think they affected the brexit election they think that they affected like the migrant crisis in europe they mm -hmm. think that they affected the arab spring they think that they affected, like, the Green Revolution in Iran. They think they affected the election of 2016, for good or for ill. So if they believe that they can affect these events by their social media platform, be it algorithmically or by ideologues programming algorithmically the outcome that they want based on their worldview, then, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they do believe. That they can that that they have an impact and they know they have an impact algorithmically, but they don't tend to understand the unintended consequences of that. And maybe Brexit yeah. is an example of the unintended consequence of this. Maybe. So when you think about it, here's a good quote that kind of sums up what's happened and why this is bad. Tech and media and business is mainstreaming the illiberal impulses of a cultural leftism because. Baked into their central equation is a binary that insists that people are either progressives or bigots. Yep. Doesn't matter. 100%. Doesn't matter. Just yep. simply doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. And, and here's the deal. Go, you know, you heard the term go woke, go broke, right? 
Mm-hmm. I don't think they care. No, they don't. Or at least there are certain people in the company they, that I don't I don't think they care. I don't no. really think they care. Even even now, you remember the Coinbase story from last week? Mm-hmm. They're, like, they're, I mean, the number of people who are leaving is growing. That in and of itself isn't really a bad thing. I mean, get those people out of there if they believe that the company's primary mission, or at least one of its mission goals, should be activism. Like, no, we're trying to build advanced cryptographic currency infrastructure. We and and stuff like that. We don't have time for activism. Right. And like people are just leaving the company. Okay, well, fine. And of course, the tech press will highlight them. I think ultimately, it's such a small percentage that it's really irrelevant. But it doesn't matter. It's the stories that you choose. It's the stories you choose to pre- publish. It's the stories you choose to tell. That, that, that is the reason why you have so many people who sit in MAGA land, who sit right of center, who are even people not really even paying attention right now. Like, like, like wait, what, what is going on? They're looking at the social dilemma, which is on Netflix. They're looking at uh, the documentary about Cambridge Analytica, which was eh, mostly BS, but simply just they're looking at this and they're really starting to take a very jaded eye toward the valley. This, this priesthood that is mm-hmm. like, what do these guys do? Right? And, and so that's the positive. The negative is they're going to want to cry out for a god to do something about like their bad choices. And that's where regulatory capture will happen. Yeah. And that's where, you know, you you know, you know, every everyone's sitting on parlor and gab talking about yeah, there needs to be, you know, new section 230 whatever. There is cert there's there seems to be this zeitgeist that like section 230 is like this panacea that allowed like the modern internet to happen. And like Congressman Amash who's been basically on this pedestal for about uh, two years. I don't think Section 230 means what we think it should have meant or whatever, but here's the deal. It's how it's been interpreted. We just discussed it with the Americans with Disabilities Act. It's morphed. It's it's morphed. Um, It's, you know, the right to privacy is morphed into a lot of things that have, maybe from my moral sensibilities, have morphed into things that, like, "Eh, I don't think that's what exactly that meant. But it happens. Um, people can create rights out of whole cloth that they think exist. Right. And um, and then the people out there, particularly my more libertarian friends who think, oh, it's a free platform. They can do what they want. Yes, you're correct. And they can. But the, and then the second retort is build your own platform, build your own payment processing platform. And we've yada, been over yada, this yada. so many times. Yeah, yeah. right. No, no. That's really Ask Gab, ask Gab about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, ask that anyone who, who is labeled alt-right about payment processing and an ability to make a living and the ability to have a bank account. Mm-hmm. The comptroller of the currency controls those things, which is a right. government agency. Right. The government agency is filled with people who are ideologically aligned with the same people that banned you from PayPal. What is that going to do for you? Yep. That's it. That's all I got to say about that. So... This is um, definitely a moment in internet history, and probably tech history, this cultural hi- the, cultural history cultural too. History. I mean, this is I the mean, beginning you, to the end. You you can't ignore. I mean, and I think that's a, a a very important piece that we we all ignore. You know, what are we internalizing as human beings in our own interactions on the street with someone where technology doesn't even play a part, right? 
you know, we're, we're, we're forgetting how to be good human beings in a lot of ways, you know, and this stuff is not, it, it, it's hurting us. You know, right. when, when we, when we accept that you have to fall into a camp, when you accept that you have to, you know, group think or whatever it is, you know, you want to call it, you be, you, yeah. for, you forget how to be a human being and how to be a decent person to someone who doesn't agree with you on a topic. Those, right? and those used to, and these, yeah, these platforms used to be uh, great forms for that. They fostered that. Mm -hmm. I came up, you know, Google Plus, Google Buzz, uh, what is it? Or Orkut, MySpace, Friendster, FriendFeed. I mean, I had great friendships formed. I met lots of people via these platforms. And yeah, that was the early promise in the mid-2000s of what these are. Look what it's um, turned and, into. And look what it's turned into. It, and it, honestly, it's turned into a political weapon of the state. Between oh, different, yeah. different, 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 different factions of the state. Right. That's literally no, different the, ideological the factions, factions of the state. Of the state. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the two ideological factions of the state. It's turned into that weapon. Um, and massive distribution, or at the very least, distributed networks. Yeah, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna disaggregate here pretty soon. Like, how many? You know how many video platforms they've just they've come online in like the last like three years and i think over time it's going to be a disaggregation because here's the deal youtube has been remarkably quiet and they're used yeah. to always giving people strikes and yanking people off they were quiet about this so mm -hmm. yeah at, yeah during this whole fray you know who was real real quiet about this google they were well, the real Google, quiet. YouTube is Google, right? So yeah, YouTube is Google, basically. You, Google's been very quiet. You know why? I think it's because of the Federalist thing. Also, the Congress is the Congress and the House. The, the House is going to drag all those guys up to Capitol Hill at the end of the month. Oh yeah. And so, um, yeah. they're 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 they're. Uh, I think Google is trying to work it and get right with the Lord. For lack of sense of purposes, <laughs> before they go in front of the, get right front with of the, the Congress. Lord. <laughs> yeah, get right with the Lord, as, they, as, as my grandma used to say, uh, yep. before you go up there and, 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 and face the fire. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so other than that, that's the only thing that's really just kind of like flooded the gates when it came to tech news. I mean, there's some cool things that have been happening. DDR5 is happening pretty soon, which mm. is going to be pretty dope. Um, you know, um, there've been increasingly more, uh, you know, more companies coming out, doing things, new phones coming out. There's of course, there's a new iPhone coming out here. I don't know. You're not yeah. an iPhone guy, are you? Yeah, no, no. Okay. So I, I'm, I wasn't terribly excited about the iPhone in particular. Um, I'm only excited for the fact that like, oh, they're going 5g. So that means good. That, that means when Apple decides to finally embrace and integrate a technology within its ecosystem, that means that the carriers are about to do major build-outs. Um, you know, and carriers that kind of count and can actually give you really good service. That's that's basically Verizon and AT&T for like... Yeah, the they're the only two um, real... The real ones. Real I mean, I'm on T-Mobile, you know, not to crap on T-Mobile too badly, but, you know, their 5G isn't really 5G. Well... It depends on where you are, right? But it's it's low frequency five G, 
Um, but of course, the Apple phone is across all those uh, those frequencies. So that was I did, that was actually yeah, I, I I did get Wi-Fi in my new car with AT and T. Yeah, and I'm getting about twenty meg. That's respectable. Driving cross country, I mean, shoot, isn't that crazy? It's funny, like we're talking about things that are kind of I don't know, not necessarily civilization ending, but like, look, man, like there's there's like satellites that are beaming internet from space. You can drive from the Mountain yeah. West to like Southern California and lose very little internet connectivity. Yeah, internet's becoming, I mean, truly ubiquitous, and and that's great. You know, for better or for worse, you know, how we use it is what impacts us, right? Mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, in, in my in my thought, you know, and I and I fell into the trap a while back, you know, trying to fall into some sort of category. And, you know, I learned pretty early on, you know, it's more fun to make people wonder about where you stand on things and than to try to actually fit into some box that they created for you. Yeah. And no, it, it makes it difficult because, of course, the platforms, platforms that we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. You, they make it difficult to kind of step outside that box. But to me, there's an entertainment value for it. So, yeah. Again, everyone, practice up on your fiddle lessons because while it burns, you can play one hell of a tune. Well, I don't have anything else to discuss. Uh, what about you? Nothing I can make public just yet, particularly for my local Southern California people. But um, once I can, I will uh, release that. And, and and it has nothing to do with tech or anything. And I, I think you know what I'm talking about. That is, we kind of briefly talked about it. But yeah, man, um, big yeah, that's a big deal, man. For me, congratulations ahead of time. However, we will wait and see. Right? I I, I can't say anything yet. So yeah. So that's so cool. So anyway, but that's it, guys. Thank you for uh, logging in to thank you for your servers. I'm Thaddeus Preston. He was Gary Guthrie. And we are, uh, you know, at thankyouforyourservers.com. We are part of the MLGA network of podcasts. I am also the co-host of the Armenian Council for Truth and Journalism. Go to the at the ACTJ on Twitter and, and holla at your boy. Also, I, I just I step in on the TMI network all the time when they need me to be the the smart brother. But with that said, guys, uh, thanks again for logging in. Thank you for your servers. We're out. Good night. Good night.